this just in. Why are they here? We've just watched Arrival. I'm Darren. And I'm Andrew. And you're very welcome to the 250, your semi-weekly look at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. But this is a special episode. This This is is a bonus. Because the movie we're talking about tonight, Arrival, literally just arrived in the IMDb 250 this week. It arrived on Wednesday, jumping straight in at number 112. Yes, I, b- I believe p- people feel that it is the movie of our time. Yes, it is. Being ranked consistently as one of the movies of the year. It's garnered great reviews. It's got something like 90-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, 5 out of 5 across the board. It's being described as a movie that sums up this cultural moment. We saw, we saw this a little while ago. We saw this at the uh, advanced press screenings. We did indeed. No big deal whatsoever. Yeah. And I actually, when, when they introduced that, they did say, this is probably the best movie we've We've seen all year. We've and seen all year, yeah. Which is quite remarkable because it is, it's not like saying that in January where you're kind of like, that's technically true. Yeah. This was in September <laughs> where it's like, yes, that phrase actually means something. I, I, I saw it and I was kind of uh, underwhelmed at the end. I remember have, having a um, thinking, oh, it's, it's kind of like Interstellar, but, it, but it's not as good. But when I, when I discovered that I would be that I would be doing this movie again for the podcast and talking about it once more and watching it once more, I started to think about what was it that I didn't like about it and why did I not think that it was as clever as it seemed to think it was or as, as it seemed, seemed to, to think, think it, it was. Or is, yeah, which made, me, which made me actually think more about the movie, which made me think actually maybe it is a more clever movie than, it, than I had, had first given it credit for. And Andrew, what conclusion did you reach? I think it's a clever enough movie i think it's a gorgeous movie i think the movie sounds great i think there are some great performance in it some great performances in it i should say and and i also felt that there were certain things that that didn't work for me i think there were certain things on the second time that maybe work better or work where no that 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 worked better because i had had a chance to kind of to 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 think more about about the things that i didn't agree with and i think reached a bit of an an epiphany i suppose about it what did you think this is interesting because i I kind of almost had the opposite reaction i i feel much like you because i i well i'm not a huge fan of the film and when you say that, that's that's a qualification. It's like I think it's a I think it's a three star film or a six out of ten film as opposed to like the greatest film of the generation or a film that sums up the year. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's very well made. It's very beautiful. I think it's got a lot of great ideas, even if it doesn't necessarily know what to do with them or follow through on them exactly. But what I found watching it the second time was I found that a lot of the elements of it, and I'm gonna be, we're going to be vague for the first half of this podcast in case you haven't seen the movie, but I thought a lot of the elements that tie into the eventual revelations and the eventual sort of structures and, and twists and sort of um, advances in the plot, they feel a lot more mechanical and a lot more cynical the second time around. They feel very much like building blocks that are designed to get the script to where it needs to be to enable those transitions or those revelations or those turns. Yeah. And I felt watching the second time, I felt the first time it was enough for me to follow along as it went and that sort of concealed what I think is some of the cynicism or some of the 
I don't want to say cynicism because that, that sounds incredibly harsh, but some of the constructed elements of the script. No, I, yeah, I, I, I think, I, I think cynicism might, might be, might, might be accurate to a certain extent. I, I, I think, I think there are certain things that you see, uh, throughout Denny's movie. Uh, we, 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 discovered it is Denny. Yeah. By the way, uh, Villeneuve. Dar, Dar, Darren was correct. Villeneuve. Yeah. Darren was incorrect. We 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 have some we have some great fans. <laughs> some very great, very precise fans who demand the best of us, like we demand from ourselves, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I um I I I, I welcome uh, all of the um, uh, corrections. Um, That's when we... Andrew read the statement I gave you. <laughs> <laughs> do we do we have a list of corrections? No, no. Your statement was I appreciate the corrections that are offered in the spirit yeah, that they yeah. intended. Tell it, tell it, tell us. Oh, we, 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 we possibly have some improvements coming in the audio. Yes, um, as well, hopefully. Um, yes. We, we are taking the comments on board. This is the first that, podcast. That may or may not include me not having a cold, but uh, you're in for a treat this time. This is uh, high fidelity. I, I'm, I'm... Rich mucusy Andrew. Exactly. All right. So, Andrew, let's cut to the chase here. Does this movie belong in the top 250 movies ever made, in your opinion? No. No, I don't think it does. I would agree with that. I think it might be fun to talk about, because this is a movie that came in, part of the appeal of watching the list grow and evolve is talking about why stuff comes in when it does and what maybe it speaks to in people that people respond to in it. I think it's also right that while this is perhaps not one of the best 250 movies of all time, I think it is good that these movies get on the IMDb 250. Yeah. Because it, it says to somebody who's looking at the list, which of these movies... Are there any movies here that I can go out and watch now? Yeah. I suppose. And and, and maybe maybe it gives a, a barometer for some people. Maybe not that many people who can say, well, is it good enough to get on the IMDb 250? Okay, I'll, 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 I'll go see it. It would have to be a real... Uh, really very precise moviegoer who's like, yeah. the five stars from the Irish Times didn't let, convince me. Let me check my charts. Yes, let me refresh here. The numbers don't add up. Yeah. Um, that it said... Says it, it says here it's an 8.2 out of 10 now, with 22,400 votes. I'm going to have to wait. Yeah, to, until it reaches that magic 25,000. It yeah. was... Well, there it, is an algorithm, folks. There is an algorithm to figure it out. It needs to be over eight points, and it needs to have over 25,000 votes on it. Um, yeah. So it was literally one of us... I'm not going to tell you which one of the two of us was sitting there eagerly watching the page count go up, going, yep, now it's on the 250. See if you can guess. See if you can guess which one of us is the obsessive movie nerd type. By the way, if you love that sort of maths, you'll love the character of Ian. Yeah, yeah. I don't... I, 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 I without getting into the weeds, I I didn't think Ian was a very um... well developed. Yeah, yeah, no, he wasn't. He was no. apparently we're gonna we might talk a little bit about the development of the film when we get into spoilers. But apparently there were earlier drafts of the film. It's he pulled a reverse Jake Gyllenhaal basically. There were earlier drafts of the film where Ian was a much stronger character. Right. It was whittled down as it went to focus more There's on... no harm. We no. see so many movies where there's a female character who's who's very likely... Kind in, of in the Ian role. Portrait, in the Ian role, yeah. yeah. So, like, I... Have, having said that, I would have liked to to have, to have seen more from that character. But then again, we complain about movies being too long sometimes. 
Yeah. And I, th- I think it works. And I think the focus on, on the primary character, on Banks, is a, is a very strong... Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Because Amy Adams is probably the one part of the movie that I unequivocally loved. She, um, she actually probably stands less of a chance of winning an Oscar for the simple fact that she has split the vote. Uh, Between this and Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I I don't know if the nominations have been announced yet, but that's what a lot of the expectation is, is that she'll be nominated twice. Yeah. And that that won't be good for her getting an Oscar. (laughs) You're statistically less likely to win if if they think you're good enough to be nominated twice. Well, that's the the Kate Winslet effect. um, When Kate Winslet uh, was nominated for both The Reader and Revolutionary Road, her campaign agent was very shrewd and made sure that in the reader she was nominated as a supporting actress so she wouldn't split her own vote in the best actress category. That was a good agent and that was that paid off. Wow. Some might argue it was lesser of the two performances. <laughs> one of them maybe on this podcast. Guess which one? But no, I would love to see Amy Adams take home an Oscar. I think Amy Adams is, is fantastic. Um, and I think she's a very incredibly versatile actor. We, um, we, we disagree about American Hustle. We don't disagree in that I think it's an okay film and you loathe it. Not yeah. really as big a gap as I think we've had on this podcast. No, 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 no. Uh, I mean, what, 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 anyway, sorry. <laughs> we, should, we should get back to So, point. yeah, no, I, 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 in, spite of not thinking, in spite of not thinking that it's the top 250 movies of all time, I, I, I do, uh, in spite of that, like paradoxically believe that it has a place on the 250, but for a short time. And particularly at this moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, and it, I think, um, I think it, it means a lot to people at the moment. And I think after a little while, it, it'll perhaps Fade. mean a little less. It's interesting for those who, who watch the list and the mechanics of the list, and we're getting very into, into the weeds here, but the this year has seen a number of films from, say, 2012 and 2013 drop off the list completely. So films... Like the Guardians of the Galaxy films, like Avengers, film like the King's Speech, yeah. uh, all gone. So there's a sense of like that recency bias fading over time, and I suspect that in four years maybe Arrival won't be on the list. Mm. And I feel like four years may be precisely the right amount of time for this movie to be on the list. Yeah, um, because I think one of the because reasons... <laughs> that'll be the 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 four years that Donald, Donald Trump spends in the White House. Because I think that's a, a huge. It's going part to be of a lot of movies by the Hollywood elites really angry well not, not only that like because obviously this film was produced and directed and written it was it was written long before Trump came of to, course yeah yeah um, it, it, yeah it just so happened to arrive and I mean if we end up talking about Fantastic Beasts on this podcast which is a possibility Andrew is very very excited about no, we'll have this exact same so argument but I do think that there is something to be said for the list being dynamic and reflecting that and I think that a large part of the appeal of Arrival and a large part of the commentary of Arrival, reading reviews and reading commentary and reading people on, on Twitter about it and reading people evangelicalize about it, is that they feel like a movie about a linguist and about communication and about reaching out um, and about basically peaceful, trying to find a peaceful solution mm. to a horrific misunderstanding with the other, uh, is a movie that feels more appropriate than ever in November 2016. Absolutely. As the great man himself said, you need to grab by the wounds of division and uh, heal, I'm not sure he heal, finished that. those division wounds yes that is exactly what he said there was a moment where we were in the cinema and you chuckled at a point where one of the army officers suggested of Emmy Adams grab her yeah, yeah. and Andrew's like that line would never have got through today and same as I, I they let you do anything yeah 
can do anything. You can grab people by the wounds of their vision. It's going to be tremendous. It's going to be huge. All right, with with that in mind, is there anything... Would you recommend watching? Yes. Yeah, sure. Uh, Sure. Um, Yeah. (laughs) No, no, I would. And... um, this is despite the fact we're not huge fans of it, but we no, and and also for for um, if somebody, I th- I think a lot of people, a lot of people, and people that I respect a great deal, uh, watched the movie and loved it, and for the people who who like me watched the movie and weren't blown away, I think there's a lot of value still to go see it and then think about why you um, weren't blown away and and. I mean, this is this is the thing, right? Because and we're, we're it might talking... sound a bit indulgent to see something, not like it, and think about if... why did I not like it, and get something out of the the pro- experience the of watching process. it and not enjoying it. Well, I think that's that's kind of one of the things that I do like about it, one of the things I recommend about it. We'll probably talk more about it when we get into talking about spoilers. But it is a movie with big ideas that plays with big concepts. It's I'm not sure I agree with this assessment, but it's been argued that Arrival is literary science fiction on the big screen. I don't agree with that, and we'll talk about why the particulars of that in the spoiler zone. But I think yeah. it's closer than I a lot of modern science fiction. I don't know if Denny Villeneuve has the... I'm trying to think of a way of saying this that it doesn't sound like, like you're very harsh on Denny Villeneuve. Um, it's very difficult to have the intelligence of a, say... Christopher Nolan when it comes to treating these kind of subjects like I, I, I think we spoke before about aliens that was um, yeah, that was James Cameron James Cameron and I, I felt like um, he was um, in, in in some ways out of out of his depth you didn't like the way the movie treated science fiction elements there yeah but do you what what and another thing that I'm realizing is that science fiction is a device yes and it asks you to suppose something. Now, sometimes for 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 some people, it will be easier to get them to suppose something than 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 for others. And I suppose I I have a a, a high kind of mark for 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 what I'm willing to suppose. Um, you have to be convinced. Yeah, yeah, it has to seem kind of um, grounded yeah. and yeah. I suppose I suppose my point is that I like when science fiction is uh, grounded and and i suppose this movie was quite grounded in in some ways less so in others less so in others yeah no it is i think it is very rooted in sort of the, the contemporary world and stuff and i think we've talked a bit before where like i think you are less fond of fantasy than you are of science fiction yeah i think there's like a plausibility bias there almost and i think actually that's one of the things that does and this is where I feel really terrible calling the movie cynical because it makes it sound like I hated the movie and it didn't. But one of the things that I find jarring about the movie or disconcerting about the movie is the insistence that it has on practically, it feels very much like it's trying to be a prestige science fiction picture. Mm. But it feels very much like it's a science fiction picture that is designed not to alienate people or voters or Oscar voters or sort of awards bodies. That would normally, or even critics, that would normally shy away from more heavy science fiction material dealing with these themes and ideas, as opposed to say something like uh, like the television show Black Mirror or something like The Twilight Zone or something like even say say Doctor Who, which which embrace the sort of the these premises at, at face value and run with them, as opposed to at times it felt like a rival had these great science fiction ideas. 
but spent so long grounding them in, in a textured and real world or a convincing real world that it didn't get the time and effort to, to fully crack them open and explore them to their logical conclusion. I, 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 I think I feel the opposite way. Oh, okay. So I, 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 th I think um, it, was, it was recognizably the world that we lived in and I think the, the ideas that were used to talk about that world were spurious enough. Okay. When 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 you look at the 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 the, the jumps that, that that were required to make, but then again, maybe I, I think perhaps I am being very unfair, because it and like we'll we'll get into that when we get into like the mechanics the, of yeah, it. Yeah, like but but even even if even if there were, it's a very popular word to use when people criticize movie is contrivances. Even if there were contrivances that I had problems with, where it's leading us to is perhaps an important kind of conversation or a thought to have about something that that's, um, that isn't a contrivance, that, yeah. that, it, that is worth talking, about. worth talking about. Yeah. All right, so with that in mind, I think we've talked about it in vague, in vague enough terms. We've talked around in circles without getting sort of spoilery. So any listeners who haven't already seen the movie should probably pause the podcast now, watch the movie, come back. Yeah, any, anyone still listening who, yeah, hasn't, hasn't who, hasn't, who hasn't watched the movie should probably pause now and come back afterwards. So we're going to step through to the spoiler zone. talk about oh and and for what is that noise does it sound like a violin yeah this is the end of the podcast Andy. <laughs> I, this I, is I, where I, our story ends this did not that, 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 this is ah. all right so that we've we've talked about it in terms of vagaries and stuff so let's jump to the end of our story andrew and get into the nitty-gritty about what what we like what we didn't like the ideas that have played with because we, we talked a lot about liking the ideas what particular ideas? Have we entered the spoiler zone? We have indeed. You don't hear the sound of violins in the background. Okay. It's well, hard to tell. It's non-linear. Yeah, let's start. Or let's finish. Or let's be at the beginning and the end at the same time. Yeah. Or in the present. Yeah. We should really structure the podcast better so we can... Uh, yeah. The, um, this is based on a short story. By Ted Chiang. Yes. Um, the story of your life. Story of your life. The, 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 the same Ted Chiang, not... Uh, not General Chiang. Uh, uh, completely different character. Different uh, character. One of them is fictional. Yeah. One of them is, is, is an author. One of them is a character. Yeah. Chiang is... Um, you were telling me something interesting earlier. You were, yeah. You were saying he's written 15 short... Or published? He's published 15, 15, 15 short, short stories. And of those, six have been uh, six have been optioned for movies. Which is a remarkable success. That's a 40% success rate. Perhaps you'd like me to express that as a fraction. Chiang's um, original story is interesting because Chiang. it's... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> there, go on. Chiang's original short story is, is interesting in that it's a highly technical science fiction story to the point where it included diagrams. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it included diagrams of stuff that was cut from the film so the idea of life taking shortcuts and not necessarily moving in straight lines because a straight line is not the quickest way from one point to another. That sort of thing. The, the physics arguments. Um, it also completely avoided 
a lot of the material that was put in the movie, and, and we'll probably talk about this when we get to the militarism and we get to the idea of conflict and stuff like that, but mm. a lot of the elements that were added to the film in terms of conflict, so stuff like the countdown or, or stuff like the threat from the big domino or the Chinese or the, the bombing at the alien ship, they were all added by screenwriter uh, Eric Heiser, who said that that was the biggest challenge that we discovered uh, that we discovered needed to happen to make it a film. The story doesn't really have any conflict of that nature. It doesn't need to. It's a lovely literary conceit in its own right, and it works without that drama. However, our early attempts at building this narrative without that conflict felt very flat and felt like there were no stakes. There was no ride. And the more we played with it, the more Denny and I realized that if the aliens did land on Earth, and the public didn't get immediate answers as to what the, their purpose was, the more everybody would freak out. That depresses me, that, that, that idea that there has to be stakes and there have to be these... It, it seemed... I, I, I'm, I'm almost surprised that it, that it, is, um, it was the screenwriter, because I thought, I thought maybe it was a Denny Villeneuve. Villeneuve, okay. um, uh, uh, pardon me. Uh, touch. The... The, this kind of um, looking down the barrel um, of the gun almost but like, yeah but looking looking down his nose at like the idea of this part of America that supports the military and or, or, or that believe, believes in their um, right to carry arms right to carry arms it's it's very apparent from his movies that, that there's he very little, little regard yeah. for these kind of people like the and, carpenter and, and prisoners, for example. Yeah, and and that they're and 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 that they're stupid people, and yeah. that they're kind of everything that's wrong with the world, rather than trying to understand or be sympathetic in any way. And people will probably be annoyed at me for 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 even suggesting that these people are human beings. But well, I mean, we'll, we'll probably. It's 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 never it's never very subtle. No. I either in prisoners or in. Um, the depiction of the military um, in, 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 in this movie. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's worth talking about. This is a movie where the hero is a linguist who helps people communicate. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people sort of respond to that at the moment because there's a lot of argument now about how you deal with the election of Donald Trump. Right. And how he's changed the discourse and how we talk about things. And there's a big argument. And this is one of the things that I, I'm conflicted on personally. And, and I suspect... This is something we probably might have a different opinion on. But there's an argument about engaging and communication now mm. being more important than ever. That there's an idea that the left, far from, say, licking its wounds or battening down or portraying all Trump voters as misogynists and, and racists, that we need to reach out across the aisle and we need to talk to one another, that we need to engage with one another, that we need to embrace that there are people who live in, in, say, these rural communities in America where the, the vote was overwhelmingly for Trump, who are decent human beings and who feel like they've been left behind and betrayed. It's kind of feeds into, and I, I am a liberal, but but in, into this uh, popular, I feel, I feel like the way it was treated in this movie it feeds into them wanting to be the heroes of the story and them wanting to be the um, the people who reach out the hand almost as um as if on pilgrimage 
yeah. as missionaries to, to 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 the people who would pass yeah, C4 yeah. in an it's alien the, ship or yeah, yeah, who yeah. would rant on YouTube about the God-given right to bear arms yeah. or who would complain about like a moratorium on gun sales. So that, that will be the cross that they carry. Yeah, there's, this movie is not exactly something. There's a moment early in the film where after the alien ship appears, Banks goes home and calls her mother and she's like, I told you not to watch that channel because they're morons. And it's mm. quite clear what news channel she's talking about. Uh, it's, she's not talking about CNN. Yeah, yeah. I like it. This this is definitely a movie that's going to make people people who feel a certain way about politics feel better. Yeah. But I don't think it's a movie that's actually going to change bring um, those two camps closer together <laughs> yeah. because they're still going to feel uh, superior yeah. after having seen this. Yeah, which is is interesting because right? this is one of the things after we don't we welcome to the Darren and Andrew podcast politics hour. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things I find interesting about like after the left loses an election. After the right loses an election, it traditionally doubles down on the crazy and somehow wins the second time around. The left tends to engage in like circular firing squads where they blame each other and they blame themselves. And they argue I guess that, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's an argument that like... And this is one of the things I'm not entirely sure about that I, I have a kind of a conflicted mind about, right? Because when you get to this argument that we need to reach out to people who feel that way or people who feel left behind or people who voted for, for Trump uh, because they wanted change... I think there's something incredibly patronizing and condescending in that idea, in that the idea that these people who voted for Trump didn't know what they were voting for and just needed explained to them in that's, simple terms. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah, I find that in, very in like that 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 like the problem with so many people latching on to this movie is that they seem to think so. that's the way that you can change it because that's one of the themes of the movie is that you can change the way a person thinks <clears> through <throat> language. Yeah, um, and that so you can change like. I don't. I think that's disingenuous, perhaps, to argue that, say, someone who votes for Trump voted for him because they didn't realize that grab somebody by her genitalia is a sexist comment, or that saying that Mexicans are all rapists is a racist comment. People knew that, and they made the decision to vote anyway, and pretending that explaining it to them, or spelling it out to them, or sort of reaching out to them and telling them why that's wrong will teach them the right way to think is patronizing and condescending, I think, in a way that betrays all the way that these people think about liberals. Like, thinking that you're smarter than them, or you're better than them, or you're inherently right, uh, and that they're just too stupid to realise it. Uh, which, there is an element of that to this film. Yeah. It's not something that's constructive, and it's not something that helps, I think. I think engaging with them honestly and saying, look, you, you were okay with him doing this, and you voted that way. We need to talk, but we need to come at a position of respect, where we acknowledge that you did it that way, and you may have had your reasons, but you were okay with it. And mm. um, let's talk about why you're okay with this, as opposed to saying, well, you clearly didn't realize you were voting for a racist, or you, were, you clearly didn't realize you were voting for a sexist. Yeah. But let's talk about the language stuff, because I know that was interesting. Could, could I go back to one thing? Yeah, Because we, we, we got on to talking about, uh, we had spoken about the choice to include all of these... Conflicts. All of this, all of this conflict. You, you take a movie like um, Gashika. Yeah. Where it's a science fiction movie... And there's no impending threat of alien invasion yeah. or, or 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 anything of that. But it's a, it's in my opinion a perfect science fiction it is. movie. I would argue even say there's no real conflict. There there there. When I, he be I mean, discovered, is there it? there is tension. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the big challenge or the big objective for him is to get on the mission to go to visit Jupiter's moon. Yeah. And like there it's could not be tension in this as well because there's a journey from. Um, not understanding or the other to understanding yeah, the other. Exactly. And there's the mystery as well of yeah. that. 
Well, I want to talk about the mystery because I, th I think that there are times at which there are times at which Arrival over explains itself. Here's a line from Shang's original short story towards the end where Banks explains, we never did learn why the heptapods left any more than we learned what brought them here or why they acted the way they did. And there's an element of mystery there that I think Arrival maybe over explains and goes into too much depth to spell out in, in itself. There's a, a lack of ambiguity as opposed to say something like say 2001, The Space Odyssey. Or, okay, Gattaca doesn't have mystery, but Gattaca embraces its world. Or even, say, Contact, which have, deals with a similar theme. Have we, sp have, have we spoken about what this movie is about? We yeah, haven't really. We haven't, actually. Uh, 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 yeah, the, this movie... Um, so, Louise Banks is a linguist. The movie starts where, where we, um, uh, we have our heart broken when we, we see her child uh, grow up and, and then die. Yeah. And then we see her uh, returning to work as, as a linguist. And then we have these arrivals, these... Um, Strange alien ships exactly. appearing around the world. They arrive because she's a linguist. Um, she is taken upon by the... Um, US military. Exactly. Um, because, of course, in, in, in these sorts of situations, there is a protocol and it involves... Um, some kind of martial law and curfews yeah. and the rest and a coordinating zone. Yeah, and security um, clearance and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. she, she, she's taken there and her job is to interpret what these aliens who are on the spaceship um, are saying or, yeah. or, what, what, um, or how they communicate. Yeah. And that's sort of, that's sort of where, where we start. Now, in terms of stuff like the, so the linguist element of it, because this is one of the things that becomes like a big theme and it ties into the eventual sort of the, the revelations about the nature of what we've seen and stuff. There's this idea, and I think it was a, an idea that fascinated you, that language shapes thought mm. and language shapes idea and how we perceive the universe. Yeah, the, it's, um, they mention it in the movie, um, the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, yeah. which is been, is fairly widely considered untrue at least not know. in its strong sense no, not in its strong sense and uh, in in the strong sense of the sapir whorf hypothesis language determines um one's thoughts in the in the weak sense language influences one's uh, thoughts and i guess cultural background and yeah and context and yeah like exactly i mean the theory was first proposed by benjamin lee whorf in mit's technology review in 1940 and one of the aspects of it that is not really discussed when it's, it's a fun idea to oh, bat yeah. around. No, I, one I, of the elements, I saw that. Yeah, that is not necessarily really discussed about it is the fact that it's kind of hella racist. Oh, yes. In that Worf's theory and the example that he cited was, and ironically enough, it applies, it applies as much to Arrival as anything else, is the concept that Native Americans do not understand the concept of time. Yeah. Because yeah. of the construction of their language, which is patently untrue. Yeah, it's um, the... the 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 title of the paper was why why non-white people so dumb i think it may actually have been language and psychology but uh, okay um, right. well i mean it, it could have been a subtitle yeah uh, either as well but um, it is it, it's very much it is a term that that feels like it could be very easily misused to justify stuff like scientific racism to argue and it was it was at the but time. I, I suppose at, at, at the time so many things so many were things were used to justify <laughs> um, um and speaking of which that makes it a very relevant movie for 2016 yeah welcome to the alt-right the thing the thing is that um 
lang language, while it might influence the way we think, first first of all, it doesn't define yeah. our thoughts. Nor, nor, but it's perhaps enough for this movie to push out a hypothesis that enough people will think. Yeah, okay. Let let me kind of go with that. There's a further there's a further jump well, that Well, before we get to that big jump, like yeah. there there is it is a hotly contested theory in that and some would argue that it can't even be proven because there's no thought process on earth that is sufficiently different from mankind to make this determination. But there are arguments about say cultures that think of colors. So cultures that have words for different colors are more likely to discern differences in color objectively speaking. Or, for example, um, gender, gender in words, um, which exists in the European languages, but not in English, has been shown to change the way, or has been theorized based on studies, to change the way that certain people behave towards objects. So, for example, um, bridge in Spanish treat is masculine. Treat objects like women? Um, <laughs> yes, they treat objects like women. Um, Spanish in, the Spanish word for bridge is masculine, and the German word is feminine. Um, so basically, they found that when Spanish uh, people were talking about bridges, they were likely to use manly properties like strength, whereas German Germans were more likely to associate them with uh, adjectives like slender or elegant. Okay. So they do relate how we see to one another. But that that's not the leap. The movie, it would be a very disappointing science fiction movie if that were the big leap that it makes. No, there, there's, there's a further leap, and it's... That la language determines thoughts, and that thoughts can shape our not. I wouldn't say not just our experience of the the, the, the metaphysical world, but shape the world its, itself. Which which is actually not such a crazy idea. There are a lot of people who 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 would give credence to that. I'm 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 not one of them. I'm I'm. I'm a, 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 a realist about about time and about the the I would argue that Donald Trump used language very well to just define reality, um, cultivating a narrative where he was a winner. Well, no, but, but like like the fundamentals of realities, uh, uh, um, so space or time, and some people will argue, oh, space and time is, is relative and yeah. subjective, not not like that. Not, not in the sense that this movie treats it as being. Yeah, yeah, it did. It, because um, yes, it, it, like people are going to hear this and they're going to think like, "Whoa, this is you're you're being you're you're pedantic. being very, you're being very hard pedantic and rigid about in your, this in your application." Of but but like, who's science fiction for? <laughs> it's for people like me who are very pedantic and who want something our, to make sense and correct our pronunciation of Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, uh, the the and time as we perceive it is also is, how it is. Is <laughs> well, let let me say this. What our thoughts and we should probably spell state this of mind. Just to be clear, and that just in case anybody's listening, the big twist of the movie that we're talking about right now is that the aliens' construct of language is not linear, and that it doesn't have lines; it it moves in circles. Yeah. And that reveals they do not have concepts of time, even though they use the word future and they explain that in 3000 years, mankind will help them, which seems kind of difficult if they don't have a concept of time. But the idea then that as Louise 
begins to understand the language and perceive the language without using a translation tool, she begins to perceive time as something that seems that happens simultaneously. She can, she can experience her yeah. future and have and she, memories of things that have not physically occurred. So then the aliens can see the future and Louise can see the future too because they've, they've learned the same language. That, that's all that's um, happened to, to, to help the two of them to see, see the future, which, by the way, hasn't happened yet. Or has it? It has not. Which is interesting, because this is one of the things... Well, okay, well, let's, let's talk about the twist in terms of a twist, and then let's talk about the questions that the twist raises. I thought the twist was a good twist and a bad twist in different ways. I thought it was a good twist in that it was set up very well. I think, like, having them speak in circles. Oh, yeah, no, very, I, like, I, I thought that, the, and uh, even in the short story, the, the, the structure of that sets it up very well because the tenses are, are changing. And, and throughout the movie, you think she's having these remembrances yeah. of her daughter where they're actually... Um, things that are yet to come things that are yet to come yeah. which is something this is where i think the twist didn't work well and didn't work well for me the second time was that opening feels insanely manipulative right so that the sequence as you talked about it opens with her raising her daughter in a sequence that's taken from the movie up it feels like a live action version of up except it's a child instead of an old woman who dies i and thought up was more affecting i did i did as well and it's set to Max Richter's uh, On the Nature of Daylight as well, the violin score that has now been used in two of the top 250 movies of all time because it was also used in Shutter Island as well. Uh, but what happens is the way it's structured is you see the child die and then you cut to Amy Adams, uh, Laura Banks, walking uh, to work feeling very dejected and she's missing the fact that aliens have appeared and she's lying in bed, lying awake and her mother's calling her and she's just staring into space. And even after the aliens appear, she's coming into work feeling dazed and confused. And the way the scene is structured is you're meant to think, oh my God, this is a woman who's lost her daughter. Ooh, she's, she's so disconnected. Grief. She's in grief. She's completely uh, cut off from the world around her to the way that she can't connect to it. Whereas it turns out she just is apparently very boring. Well, she's depressed, I guess. Well, yeah, but depressed, I suppose maybe depressed in general. But there is, I felt there was something disingenuous Probably. in the... Yeah. In the way that the movie used that to immediately generate our sympathies. Yeah, yeah. And and very sort of cynical almost, because that's the bit where you hook... Are, like, like, what conclusion are we supposed to draw other than maybe she was lonely? Yeah. Which would seem like a kind of a um, weird message to be putting out there. Here's the woman who had it everything. A brilliant linguist... Um, top secret government clearance top se secret government clearance but what she really needed was to, an alien. to have a man and, and, and a baby Yeah, who died and then she felt sad after that too it is I feel like it's not something the movie earns I feel it's something the movie just plates up and serves and I feel like there is something maybe a little that when I talk about cynicism that's, that's what I'm talking about in terms of like it's an what, easy emotional was, hook was that in the short story I don't know actually um, but I do feel like the way that that's structured is. I mean, I, 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 I think it, it was. I was. I thought it was very interesting. Oh no, it's very clever. Uh, yeah. Apparently, the screenplay was written in a hundred drafts. The the guy wrote a hundred drafts of the screenplay, and he wrote them before uh, Ted Chiang signed off on the actual script on the selling the deal. 
So it was possible he wrote the script basically on spec. There's every possibility that he wrote 100 drafts of this over six years, and the writer of the short story would go, actually, no. Or, uh, I, I thought about it, but I sold the rights to Michael Bay, mm. uh, which somehow I seem I suspect was unlikely to happen. And it is something that you get the sense of, like, it is very well constructed. Yeah. It, but it feels a little too constructed in places. Like, you want to talk about contrivances, we'll talk about contrivances. <sighs> like I say, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think that's become a, a very a overused word. But it is. It's, it's very it's, nitpicky. It's, it's, it's this, um, it's the new uh, formulaic. Yeah. No, it is. It, it, and it is. It's something that I think, I think the reliance on the word contrivances as a criticism is something that speaks to modern critical culture. In that we live in a culture where you've got like red letter media, you've got cinema sins, you've got basically this nitpicking argument where yeah. how you attack a everything movie, wrong with this movie. Yeah, with and, this movie, yeah. and it, they're all little things that are it's a movie. Yeah, that are completely unrelated to yeah. the actual quality or construction of the film. And and these things I talk about that bothered me just bothered me, and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the movie. And I want to say why, yeah. because like if you go ahead and suppose that these things could be. That they're, that they're, um, that language can define your thoughts and that your thoughts can define not your reality, but um, reality, reality itself. Yeah. And that can, that can give you access to um, a, this, this a, a temporal realm where, where you can, you can... Clock um, details on the future. You yeah, can... exactly. Ask somebody for a phone number. <laughs> Which is, is something that really, really bugged me. When I talk about it having clever ideas and no idea how to follow through, right? The idea that Banks can see through time is very clever and she can see into the future and she can see things that will help her in the present is very clever. However, using that power to get to a scene where General Cheyenne walks up to her at a reception that was made possible by what she did not only does he present her with a phone, which, a gold which phone. is gold, by the way. I really like that. Shang, Shang has a great sense of style. It's like, hi, I'm General Shang. Yeah, I have a gold-plated phone. Uh, but it's like, here's my number. You may need it at some point. It, it, it's, it's a wonderfully ambiguous scene, because it's like the character seems almost aware of the fact he has no motivation for what he's doing. I just, I thought you should have this. Yeah, What's happening with him? Yeah, that he 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 came up of his own volition and said, like a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, um, I just woke up this morning and walked straight here. (laughs) And here is my phone. Look at my phone number. I feel there is something you'll need it. I have no um, grasp of, of how you think as a person, but I feel this might be important. How do you know that, General Chang? By the way, I feel like it's important for me to reiterate to you exactly, but also in slow motion, so there could (laughs) be some suspense as the the present plot. I will never forget the words, the exact words you said to me. It's like, get it out. Someone's about to shoot me in the face. And by the way, why is that person about to shoot her in the face? This (laughs) seems to be the the level of respect respect that Villeneuve has for the military yeah yeah it's like a stolen phone shooter in the face yeah I mean in 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 fairness it should be fair like this is after a bunch of privates apparently got some C4 walked up to like what should be one of the most secure locations on the face of the planet 
yeah. loaded a bunch of C four into an alien ship and just sauntered off. I can understand why 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 this has become a nightmare because obviously there with with the amount of um, police shootings in the United States, but it, how how do you want to respond to that? Do you want to make people feel more alienated or more yeah, sort of yeah. othered? Yeah, exactly. To 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 feel like like um, if you're if you're um, and uh, the 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 innocent um, uh, the innocent linguist just linguist waiting for the just future memory to, make a to come phone back call to, yeah. to General Chang in the future um, <laughs> no. are in the present in the present using while <laughs> while, while, while also on the other line <laughs> yeah. to General Chang Thank in the, the future. future. Hold on, General Chang. I've got you. I've I've got you in the future. Yeah. Uh, future you could maybe get to the point. This yeah, maybe, yeah. When future you is now talking over present you. Yeah. When we have a conversation four years from now, just get to the point. Like there is, um, interestingly enough, because you can hear what uh, Shang whispers to her in Chinese and can, in Mandarin, I think it is. But you don't actually, there were supposed to be subtitles, but Denny Villeneuve cut them out. And apparently what he whispers is, in war there are no winners, only widowers. Which seems like a very strange last word for his wife. To, to make that is an interesting and and and, and now I, I i suppose i get why 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 they wouldn't have um subtitled it yes um michael they, stuhlberg is the uh, uh, cia creepy cia agent who's like can we kill them yet yeah i i didn't like him as well i felt like it was more of the that kind of like very kind of knee-jerk military yeah very one way of looking I mean, there is the Forrest Whitaker character who's who's just kind of... Well, I mean, um, that, that plays into the, the theme of the movie, the idea that how you speak about the world controls how you think about the world. Yeah. So he constantly thinks about it in terms of war and enemy and how they can use it against us and stuff yeah. like that. The, like, the, when when, um, when uh, Jeremy Renner's character, Ian, says, oh, they could be controlling the um, the atmosphere or the air pressure, it's yeah. like, so they could suffocate us. Yeah, which which is a nice like change. I do like that at one point Banks is like, "Why am Why are we talking to him? Why are we talking to him?" And I'm wondering the same thing <laughs> watching the movie. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, just just kind of like caught him out. Hold a hold a different meeting down the street. Yeah, it's always like the kind of oh, um, uh, that's because they're military and and, yeah. and they're stupid. It's, yeah. it's, it seems seems to be all of the kind of. Subtext, motivation text or subtext that they text. yeah need to need need to give there is i do yeah i, I would agree with that in, in general yeah but having said all of that for all of those so-called um contrivances are are, are things that 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 we are that i um perhaps yourself too feel were um lost us on if we allow the movie to take us along anyway yeah. and because an an awful lot of sci-fi is not in how um, how the story is told so much as what it's about. Exactly. So where it gets you to is to think about communication and um, unity and well, language. Yeah. Language. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a question, right? Because and this is this is me putting on my cinema sins hat and my sort of nerdy complaining. <clears throat> sort of aspect but like do you th- i found something uncomfortable in the ending of the film where banks perceives her future she imagines she sees herself having a daughter and she sees the daughter dying and passing away 
through her marriage to Ian. And I feel like it's revealed that she later tells Ian what happened. But she didn't tell Ian what happened until after their child was born. I found that very... I don't know. I found something uncomfortable like that. Maybe not to the same degree that I find stuff like the time traveler's wife. This is like the time travel traveler's relationship paradox. In that where somebody due to time travel has knowledge that the other person doesn't have. Uh, does that play into ideas of consent and does that play into to other sort of notions like that? I found something a little uncomfortable in the idea. The... It feels like there's a kind of a, um, what do you call it? Like there's a certain amount of, what do you call it in Star Trek, where you don't interfere? Prime directive? Prime directive, yeah. Well, where that, where she, 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 she asks him. She breaks him. it to the extent that, that she, she... Eventually tells him. Yeah, that, that well, no. But like, like she, she can see into the future and knows... This this is also a movie that tries to talk about determinism. Yeah. In, in a way. Because because this is one of the things about the the heptapods, right? The heptapods perceive don't perceive linear time, right? They see the future. That means that in theory, before they've arrived on Earth, they know how everything will play out logically. If we accept determinism, if we accept that things have to go the way that they do, which seems to be what the movie implies. So in theory, they could know yeah. English from the start. They could know everything so like, that Banks teaches them. And Ab they could also know about the bomb. Abbas, who and suffered death proce process. Which made um, Darren suffer sad process. Yeah. And, and and Andrew wanted to offer comfort process to, to Darren's sadness process. When Abbas processed the death process. So yeah, I, I, it makes me think of Costello and Abbas. It's, um, it's like, I don't want to die, Costello. Like, <laughs> but you've already died. You've already experienced death process. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why don't we do something about that C4? It's like... No, no. Oh, we will. But yeah. it will be far too late. Yeah. It has to look like we're half trying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah, something that, that does a little it bit... It could just be Matrix dudes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, they could be jumping out of the way of bullets because they know where they're going to land. Which is like... And I feel like... I feel like this is one of the things that bothers me about people accusing it of being sort of literary science. Not accusing it, because I say that like it's a bad word. But people describe it as literary science fiction. And when I, when I talked earlier about it having good ideas but not following through on them, or it not processing them fully, that's the kind of stuff that I'm thinking about. Like, where the concept is that these creatures can perceive time. I think these ideas a... are always going to run into problems. Because yeah. I think they're, they're difficult to process ideas to... Um, to get right because they're so far outside of our experience yeah they're 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 paradoxical and i don't think it doesn't make sense in our frame of reference because it's 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 outside of our frame of reference the only way to do this movie um or to tell this story in a, a factual way would be to tell it in a nonsensical yeah. way that nobody could possibly grasp so you want primer, including right? us? Yes. Uh, yeah. No, we're we're arguing that Arrival should feel like Primer, which is the most <laughs> quote unquote accurate time travel movie ever made. <laughs> unquote. Um, but no, it, it did it did bother me that it didn't get like because one of the things that I like about um, science fiction in terms of and it's stuff like say two thousand one Space Odyssey and it's just stuff like Gattaca and on television it's stuff like say the Black Mirror or stuff like say even even Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who for example, which is a very light fluffy example. Where you take yeah. a concept like that, 
but you run with it to its logical conclusion. You follow it through and you go, okay, well, if this happens, then this happens. And you got the follow through and you got circles within circles and stuff like that. Whereas it feels like... And, and Doctor Who is a very effective... Oh, I beg your pardon. Effective way to look at uh, certain issues and certain... Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that, that works. Sorry, I interrupted. No, no. But, um, but just stuff like I feel like almost like a rival hit upon this really great idea and sort of didn't follow it through. Like it didn't do, you should have had stuff like, I think it would have been more interesting to see the fight between say Ian uh, and, and Laura at the end of the film where she tells him and he then, ar- he, like he has the argument where he goes, well, you, you should have told me or could we have changed this? Or, you know, even like, I think they made right the point of saying as well that like it was, um, it was an unstoppable um, illness. It wasn't unstoppable. Having said that, I it made me think, and, Here's and I, I thought there was a certain amount of profundity in it, in that there is a question asked, like, to Ian, if you had the chance to live your life all over again, would you do it? And... Yeah. Um, he's he's. I think he says something like, "I think I would just say how I feel." Yeah, I think, which is her asking for permission. I think to to live a life with him, where he he won't have, he will he will he will have to go through that difficult phase episode, and not get a choice in the matter because we don't get one in life, and and. And I think if, if, if you say, like, why did she do that? I think it maybe misses the point of, of perhaps what it's saying about life is that would, would, we, would, we, would, we, would we choose to make it better? We probably would. Should we choose to make it better? We probably shouldn't. Because the experiences we have shape us. Yeah. Okay, and I do, I do think that, that's a very time morality of time travel argument that uh, I think is probably a bit outside the range of this podcast. The classic would you kill me their argument. I think I think that's something I, I guess that Abbott and Costello <laughs> probably under, argued about probably themselves. understands. Yeah. Which is that you don't the the world is as it is. And while while temporal beings who who have no access to um, this atemporal realm can um, in their own way try to influence things. If you're an a, a temporal being, you, um, you go exist with the flow, in yeah. the world. Yeah. yeah, you go with the flow. Here's a question for you, and this is the point where Andrew throws something very heavy at me. Is Arrival a pro-life movie? This is something that I thought about while watching it the second time. That's kind of like the first time it registered in the back of my head. Is that? Is this could this movie be read in a way? Is it suggesting that it wants to be read in the That's, way that the idea that you if, carry a child uh, to term knowing that it will die? Well, and no, because in, if if um, if that child had a fatal fetal abnormality, then we all have fatal fetal abnormalities. We just this is where we all got to die sometime. To quote uh, to quote Ian, yeah, all right. Because I, I think there's a there's an, a certain yeah he the, the, that was that was another green line. <laughs> that he, that he came was, like yeah. a, 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 I'm not sure that counts as consent. A very, like... he, he, yeah, he, he gave a very throwaway comment. He yeah. said, "Oh, we've all got to die sometime, so you're okay with our daughter dying at yeah. some point." Yeah, you imagine that came gotcha. up. Yeah, yeah, that came up during the fight in question. 
um, <laughs> non-zero-sum game. What you said. Because <laughs> yeah. there is there's this big argument that this this discussion that she has, and it comes right at the point where the audience sort of twigs that what's happening is the child is not in the past, the child's in the future. Yeah. Where Laura sort of talks to her about how everything that you added to this world, uh, your poetry, your drawings, that somehow makes it okay. That makes and the implication is that that makes. Well, yeah. I, that and, makes her and suffering I, okay. I, I, I agree somewhat with that sentiment. I've, I've come, okay. I've gone forward and backwards on kind of thinking about the value of life. And it, sorry, this, this isn't, this isn't me getting into talking about um, reproductive rights. This is me thinking about. I think it was, was this, in, I believe it was in Dostoevsky. I can't recall where in Dostoevsky, in even in what book, there are quite a few, um, where he spoke about a man on a plinth in the ocean, and that was his existence, and was trying not to fall off, and um, constantly being racked by waves, and uncomfortable and cold, and that even even to, to live... Uh, that existence would be life, and 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 would have some value as 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 being a a a, a living being, which 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 is to say, that's which is something I'm not entirely comfortable with myself. But we'll no, it, it, the 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 idea is well, life it's, being it's, is better it's than it's taking it to its extreme, but yeah. it's saying that pain isn't. Our sadness, our death, isn't the problem with life. It's an important, valuable part of life. Okay, I obviously, I would like you. You, uh, the, I the, 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 I feel like that's the point being made. Okay. But and obviously, the point, the point not being made is the literal point, which is that it's better for that guy to suffer constantly for end yeah. of his life. Yes, which, which I is, don't agree with. Which which is something that makes me deeply uncomfortable with that philosophy. And it's the same way with stuff like um, suffering produces great art, that horrible cliche, uh, which I don't even think is necessarily true. But it's used to justify and to excuse horrible things happening, where my solution would be, don't so, let the horrible things happen. Like in this, in this case, I think you sit down with Ian and you have the conversation over a cup of coffee when he's like... Uh, yeah, so uh, we should probably become a couple. You're like, yeah, well, there's probably some things you, we should talk about first. Well, hold on, Darren. It's him who says, let's have a baby. It is. Do you want to make a baby? Do you want to make a baby? And she replies, yes. Like, Do you want to make a baby, baby? Yeah. You had some wine? There are... Do you want to have a baby, baby? There let's are... Let's have some wine. Let's dance. Do you want to have a baby, baby? This is Andrew's remixed version of the final montage. Um, it's a lot more dancey than Max Richter's on the nature of daylight. Uh, I did find some of the dialogue was a little heavy-handed. And I, I want to make a baby was, was one of those lines that I felt was like, this is, this is there in case the audience isn't following. Much like the bit where earlier on where she's talking to her daughter and her daughter wants to work. Do you baby, baby? Do I have a baby, baby? Do you want to have a baby, baby? Yes, I want to have a baby. Maybe. You heard it here first, people. But um, there's a, a moment earlier on where she's talking with her daughter, and her daughter wants the word zero-sum game, and she's like, you want science? Call your father. And it's like, oh, okay, just in case we didn't get that the father who was consciously obscured in the opening sequence is Jeremy Renner's Ian. And, uh, yeah, there were, there, like, this movie isn't terribly well written. 
the, the, I, I I toss. Well, I feel and, like it's and, well written in the sense that it gets across uh, its points. Yeah, but it's, it's not well it's written like, in the sense of like being. It's not, Yeah, th- that's what I meant when I said like it's not as clever as as it thinks it is, or as it could have been. I yeah. think this could have been a much better movie if um it had been more clever which is a lot to ask because it being is clever is difficult it is. Um, and, I think, and and these people who write these movies are clever by yeah. the way we're yeah. not we're like we're yeah. not saying that they're not no. it's just that it, it's uh, there's a lot of compromise involved in making yeah. the movie as well like i suspect that there are points at which there were notes that came back from the studio possibly on the script or there are points at which because i feel like i feel like this one of the issues with arrival is that this is what a brainy, a cerebral literary science fiction movie looks like in 2016. Right. Uh, in that I feel like you wouldn't get something like Gattaca made today. I feel like you wouldn't get something made like 2001. Well, I thought Interstellar was, was... I loved Interstellar, yeah. Yeah. But the amount of creative... And I'm, forgive me for using this word in this context. The amount of creative juice necessary to get that made. Um, yeah. Like he had to direct three Batman movies... Absolutely, um, and two other uh, semi-original projects. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I think um, the the Martian was quite successful, but but wasn't really the same. Um, the Martian, I think, had a lot of the same problems. Where it, it did, it felt like it overexplained itself a bit, and it felt like it wasn't willing to let stuff remain ambiguous, and it felt like it was very kind of like I don't want to say pandering or cynical, but stuff like I'm going to science the out of it, you know. Yeah, it felt yeah. very poppy and very sort of like I don't know. It did. It did feel like it wasn't. I don't know. I don't know. I just. I just. I enjoyed it. the botany. I actually. I did like. I liked the Martian a lot, but I do feel like the fact that we're calling Arrival literary science fiction mm. feels like the bar has maybe been lowered somewhat. Yeah, and I think. I think. Well, it it, it it's not it's not too much on like um say Kurt Vonnegut type movies. Yeah. Where 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 there's a conceit that's perhaps less important than, than what it's the, saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I I can see that, and I do think so. That so maybe we should shouldn't, we shouldn't be judging so heavy. too harshly. Yeah, and I do, and I feel like every time that I lay into it, I should I should then pull back and say, like it is it is clever, it is it is well made, it's stunningly directed. It looks absolutely beautiful. Oh, it looks gorgeous. Like the 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 shots of of the 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 alien ship, and obviously there's a lot of like CGI, CGI but it's really good CGI. I would disagree with that. I think like there's a point where Amy Adams goes into the ship, and her hair. Maybe it's just impossible to replicate the beauty that is Amy Adams' hair because it's luxuriant hair. But in CGI, it looks uncanny. It looks like there's some sort of parasite sitting on her scalp almost. This is the bit where she's jumping up and down. And oh, yeah. I found that very distracting. But I, I did... I was more... I, I really liked the cinematography. I liked the, the framing. You only it. like your Amy Ryan as a... Yes, Amy I do. Ryan in a certain way. I do only like my Amy Ryan a certain way. I'm very picky like that. But I, I did like... I liked... And I love... Villeneuve is... Like, we talked about this when we talked about Prisoners. He's a very good visual director, even if, yeah. even if he doesn't necessarily pick the most subtle of scripts. Like, his imagery is fantastic. Like, there's this recurring theme of barriers. Oh, I never checked. I imagine he didn't use Roger Deakins for this. So, we're back from the fact machine. And the cinematographer of this movie was Bradford Young. Who we both know from A Most Violent Year, actually. Now we do. 
Uh, which was a film that we both liked, actually. We did, we did. He also did A Pawn Sacrifice that I want to see. Which neither of us has actually seen and we were both kind of like, would like to talk about. Uh, but probably not on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, he, did, he didn't use uh, Roger Deakins. I think Young is good. Um, I like the way the, the shots are set up and framed. I like the... I like the image of the most violent year. Most violent year is, is amazing. It's, it's sumptuous, basically. Like it's got this wonderful gray, yeah. gray, greeny sort of like coldness to it that fits the story that's being told very, very well. It feels chilly watching it, uh, which is, is given the characters involved and the setting of New York in, in that in winter. It's, it's brilliant. But um, one of the things I really liked about, say, Arrival, is the visual construction, the use of barriers. So there's there's the great shot, like the house. The house where Amy Adams lives. I want that house. It's one of those lake houses that you see in films. It looks like it's from Michael Mann. Like I've been in the states. There's so many of those houses. Really? Well, like like not those specific houses, but everyone has like a A house that's very specific. Oh, okay. Individual sort of. Yeah, it's it's actually it reminded me a bit of the house in a serious. uh, No, not a serious man. A most fun in you. Um, a. What's it called? A quiet character man? place or thing? A quiet man? Pro- no, 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 no. A private man? A private oh. man. But it's Tom oh, with, Ford? With Col- yeah, with, yes. with Colin Firth. With Colin Firth. I don't know if the house was actually like that. But in the States, they have this crazy idea of building a whole lot of houses that are... Um, Individual. Like, yeah, yeah. As opposed like, to off-plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and it, it does, it sets up this... It's like, it is from, like, from a Michael Mann film. Because I think, we, did we watch Manhunter together? No. Might have. Oh, we didn't? Oh, okay. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> Who did I watch? How did I watch Manhunter with? But uh, it's got this sort of nice glass front. Like Heat. Heat is another example of that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, where it's got that glass front overlooking the water. Yeah. But it, it builds up this idea. It's a good set. It recurs throughout the film, this idea of barriers existing. So obviously, there's the barrier that physically separates um, Amy Adams, Laura Banks, from the aliens from Abbott and Costello. There's the barrier, there's recurring imagery of screens, so for example... The Abbott and Costello are the names of the heptopods. Yes, by the way, just in case we're wondering. Hepto, meaning seven, and pod, meaning leg. Heptopod, seven leg. Um, thank you, Ian. I do really want to believe that there's an audiobook version of um, of this movie narrated by Jeremy Renner in sort of absurd yeah. scientific detail. Can I can I go to one part of that that I, that I, that I didn't enjoy, that just seemed like kind of wasn't great writing was where they're introduced and he's um he's reading he's reading a quite a quite a, a good portion of her uh her book her, her book f- introduction yeah her preface yeah and she he's, he says like la- language is the basis of civilization and bling bling blah and it's the first uh, weapon that is drawn in a in a in a, in a conflict and then and then he says oh it's it's um, it's very nice but I, but I disagree. And then he says, science is the basis of civilization. I wonder, I can't imagine, I think that's the idea that a person has of a scientist. Rather than what that a scientist they, thinks. Rather than what a scientist thinks. I feel like it would be a very shallow worldview for a scientist to say, do you know what the, do you know what the basis of civilization is? What I do. Yeah, that's my job. Yeah, yeah. You know what the base, real basis of, of no, civilization? No, it's not the basis of civilization. It's something that helps us to understand the world around us. Well, to be fair, this was one of those lines that was was cut. And actually, I do recommend following the writer on on Twitter because he's been doing some very fascinating work. I suppose it helps that he has a hundred drafts of the script to play with. 
but he's been posting, uh, say, snippets of the scripts that were cut and deleted scenes and hmm. material and insight. I'd be interested to see that because yeah. I thought there was some really good stuff in it. Yeah, well, I mean, like, he, for example, that scene you referenced, there was a line cut directly following that. This is like the butchering of Ian in the final cut of the film, where he says, like, his argument is when he talks about science, he's talking about fire because fire is what you need to cook stuff and to burn others. Um, that's his argument for science as a theoretical physicist, is that fire is the basis of civilization. Well, there's so many people who could argue that farming is the basis of civilization. Or, or talking about movies in insane detail is the basis of civilization. Yeah, I didn't like. I it it, it makes yeah. Sorry, that's that that didn't strike very well for me. And and I think perhaps um, if 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 those lines had been in the movie, perhaps it it, it would have felt like more of a. It feel it feel it feels like this. This kind of expert in his area just kind of threw that out there. And it's like, are you going to justify that? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just going to be sassy. Just going to yeah. be sassy Ian. That's that's my character trait. Fun fact, actually, because I found this out while I was researching. Um, you know the software they use to translate uh, the heptapod language, the diagrams and stuff like that? Of course. That I was designed it. Funny you should mention that, Andrew. It is actually software. In most, in most movies, obviously, they just use animations that are specifically created for the, the context of the film that they're doing. For this, they actually commissioned two uh, linguists and computer scientists to code a language that would create and decode these logarithmic That's things, the movie. Which is, <laughs> to be fair, that's, I think that's pretty amazing because it is actually like the code you see running on screen as it's, as it's working is the code that they actually wrote specifically. There's a fantastic blog post on it, which I'll include in the show notes. Uh, when I say fantastic... It's for the kind of people like me who, uh, who are very obsessed with I'd enjoy that too. Um, but it is, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating, like the level and attention and care. Like for all I the... loved their attempts to interpret the language. I loved all of the um, screens coming up with the little definitions of, of, of what each character meant. Well, down the side, And yeah. I loved um, all of the sheets up and them drawing little kind of lines across, like, and little marking the well, it, in, uh, points. It felt like a I, great attention to detail. Like, I, I actually... That felt great. It, it felt, it, at that point, it felt like you were actually kind of in there figuring it out. Yeah, which I really liked about it. And it is something yeah. that I think it does really, when we talk about stuff missing from science fiction, I think that's the that's a perfect example is that like that's it's not about jumping magically from A to B it's like oh my god this is kind of fun to play with and to think about and how yeah. would you really do this yeah and it's like the movie's kind of like okay we can't really say how we'd really do it but we'd probably do something like this yeah um, and it's kind of just fun to watch and to know that like behind the scenes that level of care and attention was put into it a lot of the feedback from um, scientists and linguists has been that they they were quite happy with the way it was depicted yeah. um, as opposed to uh, scientists observations about Armageddon yes um, but it is no it, it is um, it is remarkable and I think it's something that the movie deserves a lot of credit for and I feel like that's probably like we've, we've Sort of, I've maybe been hypercritical. I've maybe been a bit, uh, you know, sort of aggressive in, in tearing into and calling it cynical and stuff like that. I think that there is a lot of care and a lot of love that went into it, and a lot of affection and a lot of thought that went into it. Um, I think maybe that's that's the part to focus on. I think unless that's something I'd like to see more of in big films, mm. like this has done, Arrival's done very well uh, financially and, and economically and culturally even. Yeah, and I think I'd like to see more films yeah, building on that. Like there were there were there were parts of it that I didn't feel were 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 terribly intelligent. That sort of stuff I I really did get a t- 
thrill out of them for like how yeah even so like the montage of Ian Watts and stuff like that and it's like where the month passes basically and stuff yeah. like that which is like it's it's not like oh my god we've got a universal translator and we can do this overnight or instantly or stuff like that it's mm. like uh, it's like this is actually something that takes work and I think that's a great way to portray science on film or to portray like I think one of the big issues with say portraying science on film is that we treat it as almost like magic mm. where it works instantly stuff like say the transporter on Star Trek or even Fast and Light Fast and Light you know, Travel where we assume that it'll work instantly and it'll work perfectly but I, I think there's something very cool about and this is probably just my procedural nerd going I w- on I would have liked it if when at, sorry no, if, no. Um, when when Ian said look at all the blank space in this we looked at it and it's 0.83 recurring mm-hmm. I would have liked it if Amy Adam sorry Amy, Amy, Amy. Laura Banks Oh, sorry, Louise Banks. Louise Banks had said, it's a 12. <laughs> and that is sort of tweaked. Come on, Ian doesn't get that much to do in the film. Uh, zero, zero point zero eight three. Yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, but Ian doesn't get that much to do in the film. Like, it, him saying, it's a 12, is probably like his big hero moment. This is like when they write the big history book about what Ian A lot did. of people know that that... that um, <laughs> When they write the, the book... That, that decimal point is, is, is a 12. When Louise Banks opens her book up, the, the universal language, and you get to page 465, you know, end of chapter 12, it'll be an Ian said, it's 112. And everybody be like, yep, that's what Ian did. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess it, would have been, it would have been interesting for, for, for his character to, to have been fleshed out more. But I, I think the, like, I think I don't really mind that much yeah. we because have, because we had such a strong character in uh, the Louise Banks character and he was there for her. Yeah, and I think this is important. You said this at the start, and it's very worth stressing: is the idea that he plays the role that we've become we've come to expect yeah. from female characters, where he's basically he's he's the Bond boy almost. He's like the reward at the end, like he's the fulfilling relationship. He's he's the hookup. You know, he contributes very little except to serve as a sounding board and exposition device throughout the film while she makes all the big leaps and she mm. makes all the big jumps. At the end, they hook up uh, and the yeah. story... I think if they were... Go- <laughs> I was almost wanting to take away from him the one thing he had. <laughs> His little moment. Yeah. What a twelfth was. Yeah. Expressed as a decimal. I feel bad for I feel kind of bad for Jeremy Renner. Um, it's like his Hawkeye moment. Even, even in Arrival... He's still the guy with the <laughs> metaphorical bow and arrow. He, he was given a Bourne movie. And it was taken back away from him. Um, <laughs> it's like, we gave the franchise to you, Renner. Matt Damon's back now. <laughs> but yeah. So I think, I think that sort of sums it up. I think we sort of, we talked enough about it. Here's a question, right? Yeah. Do you think this film will still be on the IMDb 250 in one year? And if so, do you think it'll still be on in four years? Well, I think it's quite high at the moment. It is. It's, it's on so the top of the top one. Could, could be. Like you probably know how these things work better than I. Um, Keep like, in mind, Prisoners has hovered consistently around the two hundred mark. It's never been much higher than say one eighty, for example. Mm. So I can see this hanging on in there. Is Sicario? Uh no, I don't believe Sicario is. Okay. Which surprised me. I would argue Sicario is uh, Villeneuve's uh, certainly best better film. known. Yeah, and I think I think I would it's argue probably it's probably better uh, critical 
Uh, no, actually. Um, less than less than this and less than it. Less well critically regarded. No, no, less 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 than this. Um, obviously, and less this than has been a huge well. uh, less than prisoners. Yeah. Also, okay. keep in mind, prisoners arrived with a huge uh, amount of attention towards it. It was going to be an Oscar contender, and then it sort of faded from consciousness. But I don't think it really had a critical reappraisal. For example, um, this, on the other hand, seems like they learned the lesson from prisoners. Uh, so they sort of they kept it from release until Oscar season. I'd really like to hear from people who who in who enjoyed this movie and who disagree with some of the criticisms. Yes. And by the way, I made the point that my criticisms perhaps don't cut to the core, but I I feel like that core of the movie that's maybe invulnerable to those criticisms would have stood much better without. Yeah, with 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 a with a stronger structure around it. Yeah, I I would agree with that. All right, then I think that's sort of a nice place to, to wrap up. Sure. All right. Well, you can reach us both on Twitter. You can reach me at Darren underscore Mooney, and you can reach Andrew at A Q U I. It's a palindrome, <laughs> like like Hannah. Like Hannah. A Q U I N N I U Q A. Yes. Andrew, this is where our podcast begins.